0: Hello and welcome to the Reaching for Wellness podcast brought to you by Community Reach Center in Westminster, Colorado. I'm Alexandra and I work on the marketing team here at CRC and first I kind of wanted to introduce this Reaching for Wellness podcast and why we're doing it. First of all, the At the base of everything, our mission at CRC is to enhance the health of our community. And we do that through such a wide range of services. And I just think it's so important that we make those uh, accessible to the community, as well as make the community aware of everything we have to offer from outpatient therapy, school-based therapy, detox centers, residential centers, and so much more. And on top of that, just continuing to reduce the stigma surrounding mental health. So I'm super excited about our guest today. Let me introduce you to Brenda Ferguson. Brenda, why don't you tell us your title and what you do for CRC?
1: Um, my title is Supervisor of Services for the Respite Program, and um, basically that's what I do. I supervise the respite program. I have a, a team of three people, two peer specialists and a case manager, and then um the house itself so just managing that managing referrals and intakes and evaluations and stuff like that
0: awesome and what, what's your background how did you get started doing that
1: well my background i have um my masters and i'm licensed i'm a, an lpc here in colorado and also an lac and um, i moved here about four years ago and started working with community reach center as a therapist on our crisis stabilization unit which we don't have any longer but um, while we still had the CSU, I was promoted to supervisor of the respite program, and I've been there for almost three years now.
0: Awesome. So, what what makes respite different from the other services that CRC offers? And tell us a little bit about the basics of respite.
1: Um, well, it's a it's a residential facility, but it's very unique. Um, we don't have overnight staff, so we are there until seven p.m. Um, the last staff leaves at seven p.m. and the clients are there on their own at night, um, so we, I screen very, very carefully to make sure that they're at the appropriate level and will be successful there. Um, the basics of respite basically is just respite, right? Rest, and that's what that means. Um, people that need a break from their environment, a uh, good bit of the time that environment is homelessness. Um, homelessness will definitely increase in symptoms like anxiety and depression and um, and all other symptoms. and um, but also some of our folks do need a break from their environment whether they have maybe a kind of a, a difficult relationship at home or something like that. And mm-hmm. so they come to respite and they are able to get a break. Um, they get all kinds of support and care, and uh, hopefully are sent on their way in a better space.
0: So what kind of coping skills do our clients learn when they enter into respite?
1: Oh Well, we teach them all kinds of coping skills. I'm a big big advocate for meditation Mm -hmm. um, and um, different types of breathing exercises. So I kind of teach them those kinds of things to try to, to manage their stress and control what they can control and kind of stay present. And then they go to a group once a day, and the topics vary, but they're always wellness or coping skill related. So um, any kind of uh, things from maybe like writing a letter to someone that you never want to deliver, you know, just kind of getting stuff out, um, all of the like breathing, um, mindfulness, art. Um, We have TED Talk Tuesdays, (laughs) Mindfulness Monday. Yeah, Uh, they get pretty creative. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they they learn a wide variety of coping skills. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that all sounds so great. How long would you say the average length of stay is for a client in respite?
1: So right now, it's changing all the time as we're learning more and more about um, our program and, and what we are able to do. Uh, right now, we're at three to four weeks.
0: Okay. And has that changed at all with COVID? Like, has they stayed longer or, or less? Or have you seen a increase of intakes?
1: No. Um, well, not so much an increase of intakes. Um, but when COVID first hit, we were kind of at a um, standstill. We sheltered in place with the clients that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, all intakes uh, were stopped. And so we just kind of stuck it out with our our clients for a while.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for continuing to do that work through COVID. I know it's definitely been a a stressful year, and I'm sure the clients appreciate it more than ever. Um, What is your favorite part about working in respite? And and tell us about kind of like a day in the life for you there.
1: I think there's so much about respite that I love, um, but I think probably one of my favorite parts is when I see people – Come to respite. Oftentimes, our clients have um, their relationships have been severed mm-hmm. uh, with family and friends for various reasons. Whether it be that they've done things that um, their family or friends can't tolerate any longer, or um, they just don't understand mental health issues, and so don't understand why this person isn't just getting getting themselves together. And but at any rate, they they don't have that closeness. And I think that's probably my favorite thing is when I see them come, and it becomes like this. Um, one big happy family no matter how many times the clients change new ones come in and then everybody just kind of um, forms this really close-knit relationship and, and um, I, it's to me it's just really beautiful to see the love that they have mm-hmm. for one another and then that, and that they love that they feel and support that they feel from us and so I think that's probably my favorite part and um, I guess a day in the life for for me is, is Different than the other staff, but uh, overall, day in the life and respite is um, we all kind of get there at eight and. Um, some people are already up. Some people we have to kind of encourage to get up <laughs> later on. <laughs> um, we're, because of COVID, we're taking temperatures and, mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. But um, just as they're trickling up and having coffee and they're um, talking to one another, um, the peers are planning on what they're going to do for a group. They check in with each client uh, every single day just to see how they're doing, working towards their goals, um, making sure there's uh, they're doing okay Mentally and emotionally, and not having any kind of suicidal thoughts, or if they are, if that's just their baseline, or if it's increasing, or anything like that they meet with the case manager and working towards goals. So we found that when we can keep people a little longer, sometimes we can interrupt that homelessness. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to come up out of homelessness when you're on the street, but if you have support, there's programs, there's not tons, but there are some. And so uh, we are oftentimes successful in getting people into programs. So they're working towards that kind of stuff, Um, just hanging out, watching movies, doing their thing. Before COVID, um, people, some, not all clients, but some some clients worked or whatever. They still are able to work and, and did work through COVID. Some okay. of them, Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. So that kind of stuff. And that, that's sort of what the day looks like. And mm-hmm. then they have a group together and then they have dinner and and hopefully um, have a good evening.
0: That's awesome. I love that that's your, your favorite part of working in respite because I think even from, you know, working in the mental health field, from a marketing standpoint, is so rewarding. So I can't even imagine how rewarding it is to work directly with the clients and see that growth and those relationships form. Could you give me an example of a story of a of a client success story that made you feel proud of the work that you're doing, or like your your favorite happy story?
1: This my favorite happy story it was a client that we had. Um, so people come back more than once. Um, sometimes you know it takes more than one episode of care. To, to sort of figure out what it is that you want to do or even to get to that program. Um, sometimes there's waiting lists and we can't keep you long enough, but um, they can take a little break from us and then come back again. And my favorite probably story is a, a client that we have A Community Reach Center had been with us I think four times in total. And uh, he's young, he moved here, um, he was homeless and a lot of trauma. He um, Didn't have a lot of hope he was at at he was one of the people that sheltered in place with us during COVID at that point he had gotten a job this was like his uh, I think his very last episode of care Um, he got a job and he was doing really well he got a room for from this program called um, I think it's sunshine home share and where it's uh, older folks that have an extra room that need kind of maybe some help around the house and um people that need to rent a room and Mm -hmm. so it's actually a program and they they hook people together so he rented that room and um he comes by and sees us now he he works at a different place and has his own apartment oh and yeah and he's doing really really well and um when he was with us he was coming up on his one-year anniversary of being homeless and that was very traumatic for Mm -hmm. him because he thought, um, if, I, if I make it to one year of being homeless, I'm never going to get out of this. He was just having a really Gosh, difficult time. Gosh, I can't time. even imagine.
0: But he did it. That's awesome. I love hearing stories like that. So inspiring. And it really just makes coming to work every day like that much more worth it to be able to help those people. Definitely. So where where do clients typically go after they leave respite? Do, do they continue services at CRC, or do you refer them to other programs?
1: Most of the time, they stay local, and so they still keep their providers at CRC. Um, They still, while they're at respite, um, go to their outpatient appointments and stuff like that. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So they, they have a case manager with us. But they also have their outpatient case manager if they have one and they have their outpatient therapist so they don't do therapy with me and they so they keep that most of the time they stay local in local programs and then if um some we've just had two people recently go to another program called fort lion which is i believe near pueblo or something mm-hmm. i don't really know much about colorado but um yeah it's kind of like a few hours away and it's a huge campus, and it um, helps people with substance use and mental health counseling, When they have this this wonderful program that all kinds of activities and groups and things that they're able to do. And so if they go that far, then they'll discontinue services with CRC and pick up with okay, a different Okay. Yeah, agency. that makes sense. Yeah.
0: So another couple questions. How many rooms are there in respite? And if you had to guess, how many clients would you say that respite served maybe in the past year?
1: Um... There are seven rooms okay. at respite, and everyone gets their own room. They, That's they, good. They don't share rooms. And um, it would be kind of hard to guess. I would say, um, I don't have no idea, maybe 50 or 100.
0: Okay. Yeah. So people are kind I'm of coming guessing. and going pretty yeah.
1: regularly. Okay. Right, yeah. So um, and, and it's a referral system, so I get the referrals and I review them, and if they're appropriate, then I contact the person I do an intake um, assessments and things like that, and then bring them in.
0: Okay. So if if anyone listening had someone in their life who they think could benefit from CRC services in general or respite, how would they go about getting started with that?
1: So for the CRC, they would, uh, I guess, start with the intake process. And from what I understand, we now have the paperwork on our website. So if uh, they could download that. And, or uh, fill it out and send it in mm-hmm. um, because it's a first come, first serve um, intake process. That might cut down some of their wait time or something like that, um, or they could go in and walk in. They could also get an intake done at our Behavior Health Urgent Care, and okay. I believe that's by appointment. And um, With respite, you have to be hooked up with some mental health agency. It doesn't okay. have to be Community Reach Center, but um, the majority of our clients are internal mm-hmm. referrals. Uh, but you do have to be hooked up with some agency. And, and the reason for that is so that when you leave respite, you still have that support. You know, you're just not out there on your own with no one to help, um, no one to talk to, no one to um, refill medication or anything like that. So um, for, for respite, it's just getting that referral. And um, I send out like a weekly email of what our census update is. And I have uh, the referral sheet that I send out to people, and we have an external referral sheet as well.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Like Brenda said, we have recently um, updated ourselves and you can now submit intake take forms uh, to an email that is on our website. And as well as uh, we have walk-in times too for those locations that you can find on our website. Um, and if you would like more information on where, where those times and locations are, you can go to communityreachcenter.org. Do you have anything else you wanted to add about respite or just mental health in general?
1: Um, um, I just feel like respite is a really, really good program. I think it's very um, beneficial, and I've seen it support people um, getting up and out of homelessness. Mm-hmm. And and at, if they can't even achieve that, they are able to see that there's people that care, and they're able to experience that that kind of support and love, which I think is really, really important. Yeah.
0: One last question. What would you tell someone who is struggling with their mental health and debating seeking any sort of treatment? I know sometimes it can be difficult to like accept that you, you need some help or you know, reaching out for help is, is can be incredibly difficult.
1: Right. It can be scary when you've never um when you've never done that, but also some of the feelings that people experience when they're struggling are also scary and I would say take a leap of faith it's worth it um it, it's worth it it's great to have someone to talk to to be able to bounce ideas off to help you untangle all of the thoughts and and feelings that you're experiencing all at one time and help you figure out some coping skills to manage mm-hmm. your stress and and um, hopefully in turn will help manage some of your symptoms
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean i could think therapy can be beneficial even if you don't have any sort of mental struggle that you're you're dealing with it's just learning coping skills and especially during the past year I mean I think everyone has experienced at least some sort of anxiety related to COVID so I think that um, a lot of the services that we offer can be beneficial to to Adams County and I hope uh, that this podcast helps someone out there yeah all right that's it for us today until next time I hope you keep reaching for wellness and we'll see you soon